welcome to episode three, part three of the Eupopolis podcast. I'm Kristen Nogler, child life specialist, Eupopolis national program manager, and host of the Eupopolis podcast. I'm excited today to have Shandy Alexander, a child life specialist based out of Ontario, joining us to talk about her experience in parenting her two children through this world pandemic. As a parent and also as a child life specialist, we are grateful to have been able to connect with so many child life specialists for this series, and we invite you to send your feedback to us at support at eupopolis.com. We also welcome you, the listeners, to send us your suggestions for things you would like us to cover on podcasts. We look forward to next week recording with some youth as they wanted to share their perspective of living with a chronic illness or a critical illness during this world pandemic time. And it's really interesting some of the things that they've been wanting to share. We also look forward to having some child life specialists join us and share various coping techniques. But for right now, let's give Shandy the opportunity to introduce herself to us and so you, the listeners, can get to know her a little bit better and hear about her experience. Thanks, Krista, for including me on this. This is really exciting. Uh, yeah, so I uh, have been working in child life for about 18 years uh, in many different areas, but primarily at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto in a number of different areas, including hematology, oncology, and burns and plastic surgery, critical care, and uh, now working in palliative care. And uh, I love my job. I get to play with meaning for a living. And uh, as a mom, I have two amazing kids uh, who are 13 and 11. So Shandy, one of the things I've always admired about you is how much passion you have for the frontline work, which is something that I have as well. So, and whenever I see one of the little finger puppets with the bobbly eyes, I always think of you and how (laughs) valuable you've made that tool in helping children cope. We'll focus on just a few of the questions that we've talked about um, in some of the other parts of the podcast. But one thing that I would like to ask you about is kind of when things unfolded for COVID-19 and especially around for us in Nova Scotia, it was like the March 13th date. And I'm not sure exactly what that looked like for you guys in Ontario, explaining things to your own children. I always believe in including and supporting kids. I think that uh, naturally as parents, as caregivers, we, it's kind of innate to kind of shelter and protect kids. It's like the first thing we kind of go to, if there's something difficult, we just want to like tuck them away from all the difficult things. But I think as child life specialists, we really preach instead of shelter and protect, include and support, because we know the more we can include and support kids in life, that they will build resilience and coping and learn how to go through the ups and downs that life's going to bring no matter what um, comes their way. And they can do it in a way that is with a lot of support from a parent at a time when they're growing and learning so much, right? Whereas later on in life when you can't shelter and protect them and they're off at university or in the world as an adult, that's when they might feel those bumps without our support right beside them. And so we can give them that gift right now. So uh, I've always parented like that. During COVID, of course, there was just so much anxiety and so much uncertainty. So I really just tried to be simple and honest. We didn't have the news on very much. It wasn't that I was sheltering them, but I was maybe um, filtering some of the information a little bit so that they weren't bombarded by it because we knew that like for the adults that just had the news running all the time their mental health was suffering from that and I didn't need to do that to my kids and so we would talk about it but not all the time. 
I hear you when you say filtering the news because it's definitely something that was happening in my home. And I know that several of the girls who we talked to earlier on the podcast, um, that's one of the things they brought up is just there's so much information, so much false information and just so much risk to mental health. I love that. So when thinking about um, being a child specialist and being a parent, I know I had a few aha moments where I was like, oh, hey, I'm not just being their mom right now. I'm secretly <laughs> being their child specialist. So did you have any moments like that? Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, so always, always what I'm kind of talking about at work is simple and honest and take the child's lead or take your teenager's lead. And so really trying to pause and listen to what I call the three W's. So really trying to listen, and this is why it's the child life hat and not just the mommy hat, is that what are they wondering about? What are they worrying about? And what are they wishing? And so I think in a time of a lot of stress or a lot of crisis, or even hospitalization for kids that we served in the hospital, uh, a lot of people try to minimize maybe kids' wonders or wishes or worries, or they just don't give space for them. They can wonder or wish or worry about anything and then not bringing the adult mind into that, but really just trying to give them space to have that conversation and take their lead about what support or information they want based on that. For, for example, if they're feeling worried that they'll get COVID, I wouldn't just say, oh, you're not going to get COVID, right? Right? Because they're worried that they're going to get COVID. And this is a time of a pandemic. So really, so what are you feeling worried about? And then encouraging that conversation instead of shutting it down. That's right. Their worry is totally legit. So validating that and making sure that they get the answers they're looking for. I love the three W's. I love simple ways to remember things. And oftentimes, you know, maybe as parents, we don't feel comfortable with um, asking, the, asking the hard questions or, or sitting in the silence till the kids are ready to speak, just giving them a chance to express those three W's is, is a great child life hat thing to have on and a lesson learned. It's something that I do at work all the time. You give space for that, but I think for your own kids, you don't always give space for it or pause for it. And so even like a wish, like I, I wish there, I wish I could go play with my friends. You could so easily just be like, oh, you're fine. We're just keeping safe right now. But as a child specialist, I wouldn't just like discount that wish. I would say, yeah, I wish that too. And then talk about it instead of knocking it down. So I think that was definitely my child life hat coming out. I would be the same way as a parent. Is some, sometimes you think in every day, I would be just like, yes, you missed your friends. But when it came to COVID and parenting and they were saying, I miss my friends, I was putting my child life hat on and thinking, how can I still make friends be a part of their life? Yes, we miss it. Yes, it's going to have to look different, but how can we make it happen? That's right. It's so. like figuring out what's really in their minds instead of our adult minds. What's, how's this affecting them? And then making a coping plan around that, which is exactly what we do at the hospital. One of the things I was talking about in part two with the girls when we were chatting is the fact that I'm a neat freak. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to have control over my environment and I'm not productive unless it's organized. And I was noticing that my girls were just like kind of living like sloths and living, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't care what their rooms looked like. And I was always after them to be like, clean up your room, clean up your room. And then finally I had this aha childlike moment where I was like, this is something they can control. And when I asked them about it, I'm like, why do you feel it's okay to live like this right now? And they're like, well, our friends can't even come to see our room. So why does it matter what it looks like? And I'm like, oh, so you're mad. And this is kind of how it's showing up. And you were able to actually notice that that 
was a space that they could have control over when normally maybe you'd take control over that. But in this sense, in this time, it didn't matter as much. For me, it was definitely realizing that, okay, this doesn't have to matter as much and I have to relax on it a bit. And I was being super stressed because I was like going to the hospital to work. I was working online. I was helping them with their schoolwork. And then I was feeling like I was doing all this host work. So finally I had to be like, okay, I have to be okay with the host feeling lived in Mm -hmm. um, and maybe not up to the standard that I like it to be. (laughs) One thing um, I noticed, I don't know if I noticed it quickly, but I noticed at some point is uh, a combination of over-parenting and under-parenting. And I really struggled with that. Uh, As we know, uh, teenagehood is a time of autonomy and independence and risk-taking because we are all under the same roof, I was working from home primarily, there'd be a lot of times where I was 100% over parenting. Like it was just like, I wanted to make the world as, as best as possible for them or try to structure them or have make sure that they had things to do in their day that were made them feel good. And so I was kind of on, we were on top of each other, but I was on top of them with my parenting. And then other times when my work was so busy, I'd be under parenting them. But once I identified it, I kind of actually talked to my kids about it. And they definitely feel they weren't caring that much about the under parenting. They're caring more about me over parenting. That was bothering them a bit. It was like a little overbearing and a little bit much where they really, they wanted to be independent, have autonomy, and then, but they have this mom who's just constantly telling them to, you know, clean up or do this kind of work or, you know, that kind of stuff. So it wasn't very healthy. Um, What the tip, what we did, and that I found incredibly helpful was writing things down. So we now have a lot of checklists. We even have a whiteboard that changes every day. And so instead of me constantly nagging them about what their responsibilities are, or when they should do what, it gives back. It's like, so there's still structure, there's still responsibilities, but it's written down. They have choice about when they do what they do. They have a a sense of accomplishment when they finish their tasks. It helps them with their own time management and managing their own expectations. Hi, Sunny. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It was about a calendar um, that uh, was like kind of laying out the day, which they planned with me. And then now that they're in school, there's just lists. There's lists like, about walking out the door and what they need to do. So instead of me being like, did you wash your hands? Do you have a mask? Did you pack your bag properly? Now it's just written down and I say, you know, is your list complete? Instead of me constantly nagging about the whole, every single thing they have to do. I think lots of our listeners will relate to that because I think that they're probably torn between the same thing of the overparenting and underparenting. Oftentimes we have all these expectations or we have these things which we just think are kind of like common sense, the things that you need when you go out the door, but we don't often communicate them in a way that we don't often maybe even communicate them at all. Or I was thinking during COVID when you did like the, and still happening for lots of different provinces where you kind of just go to the grocery store once a week. And then Mm -hmm. I would get frustrated because I'd go to make supper and some ingredient would be missing, like maybe the Mm -hmm. chicken. And the kids would be like, oh, we had that in our sandwiches for lunch. And I'm like, but it was for supper. But I didn't communicate anywhere. I didn't have a meal plan anywhere for anyone else to know what the meals were going to be. So then I had to switch to be like, 
here's our meal plan for the week. Mm-hmm. When you guys are making um, impromptu meals or you're making quick lunches, keep in mind that some of the ingredients um, might be for other things because we can't go grocery shopping as much. Checklists are so helpful for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it does. I know driving places right now, I'll be always like, do you have your mask? Do you have your hand sanitizer? And the kids are like, yeah, stop mom. We have it. We're not, we're 17, we're 15. We know what we need to bring. Definitely. And they stop listening and then you get frustrated, right? They don't even listen to you anymore. So then I'm like, this isn't helpful in any respect. So we have a, a checklist leaving the door of the house. We have a checklist coming into the door of the house. And then we have a whiteboard that adapts daily, depending on what their responsibilities are for the day. I love that. And so easy. You don't need anything besides a couple pieces of paper and a pen and some tape. <laughs> make it available to everybody. Uh, another tip that I had for families was when you think, when I think comes to like social media and it comes to like your children learning about things, like don't leave it all up to the internet. Um, one of the mm-hmm. biggest things that created anxiety for my kids were initially some of the things they learned about COVID that they learned online via one of the social media platforms that youth use all the time. And I was like, that content was created by a 13 year old who d- never had that procedure before. You need to make sure like when you watch things yeah. that you come back and talk to me about it because they were spending so much time on their devices that they were often, you know, seeking out their own answers from or what you're taking in for knowledge comes from a reliable source. One thing, um, because the kids were on the computer often and my daughter had um, the news alerts popping up and there were so many news alerts and it was like you're you could finally like maybe distract yourself and get into something normal. And then all of a sudden a news alert would come up and bring you back to this pandemic world. And so we, we turned that off pretty early on. Uh, it's been so good to talk to you, Shandy. And I love hearing the perspective from all the different people and ba- things based on their experiences. And of course, all children are so different and we all in parenting can be, can be so different, but I think we've all learned a lot. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks. Thank you. Well, once again, I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to connect with all these child life specialists and to share these interviews with you over our podcast platform, Free Papalas. I thank them for taking the time and sharing their experiences and their expertise. And I invite you to share on your social media about our podcast so that we can reach more listeners and we would love to hear from you. So email us at support at to give us feedback or to give us ideas for things that you would like to hear about in the future, whether you're a healthcare professional or a parent or a youth, we are looking forward to using this platform to get you the information you need and to share the expertise from the people that we've partnered with. So until next time, we look forward to connecting with you by email or on the Upopolis platform. If you know a youth that would like to be referred, please use the same email address to help us get connected with them so we can find a way to make it happen. Take care.